Hello, America. Crisis on the border. Hey, Joe Manchin is completely trustworthy. We talk a little bit about non-fungible assets. Uh, Not even sure exactly what that was, but it's a new way to make all kinds of money. Beanie Babies. These are the Beanie Babies of the future. Uh, Also, we talk uh, a little bit about uh, Andrew Cuomo. It comes as a shock to me that two more people have come out against him. Yeah, apparently they want you to believe he's quite the the ladies' man in the hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> Only talking about her bazooms because she's got such big bazooms. Ah, all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Joined us. Hello, Pat. Hello, Glenn. Pat Gray, of course, from the podcast Pat Gray Unleashed, where you can get uh, you can listen to him every day, either on Blaze Radio Network live before this program. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just came from there. I just just came came from from there. there. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a commute from my studio to yours. (laughs) What a journey it's been. It's so uh, Pat, what do you have today? Uh, I've got some mask Nazis that uh, Mm. they're pretty much showing up everywhere. Really? Mask Nazis? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. was uh, an interesting one, I thought, at a at a drive through location. Location, um, the woman wasn't wearing a mask, and uh-huh. uh, so here's in her car. In her car. In her car. Here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, you have a mask? No, I don't. I can give you one. Uh, you can give me one. I can give you one. Why do I, I need you to wear a mask. So you can Wait. hand me a mask. I can hand you one, yeah. But you can't hand me the drink without a mask. <laughs> You've got to wear a mask. How does that make any sense? You got to wear a mask. That's what. That's what I. I just need you to wear a mask. Well, if you can hand me a mask, why can't you just hand me the drink? (laughs) I can hand you the mask. Uh, All right. (laughs) So he can hand me a mask, Uh but he can't hand me my drink. Makes perfect sense, right? Can you imagine? They're trying to tell us in our cars now (laughs) that we have to wear a mask to be served. Well, why won't you listen to the authorities? Why won't you listen to the person? follow the science? Yeah, follow the science Mm -hmm. and listen to the authorities (laughs) that are working the drive-through window at at your local fast food place. (laughs) Because who knows better? Uh, right, exactly right. The fast They're on the front line. Drive through person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do worry a little bit about uh, the stock of Google, though. If masks go away, there will be no content on YouTube. All content uh, yeah. on YouTube is related to masks. It's seeming like every one of these mask conferences happens to happen when someone is pointing a phone at themselves, which is a really yeah, amazing <laughs> coincidence. I don't know if there's more anger that comes into these mm-hmm. or what. She probably went through before or had a yes. friend go through. And was going to sure. record yeah. this time. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it is a completely ridiculous standard it makes absolutely so no sense no whatsoever. i need you to wear the mask I need, but i need you I to can wear hand it. it to you i can <laughs> hand it to you but you need to wear it and at some level you feel like kind of bad for the employee who no. obviously didn't no. come up with a policy and i don't is, know it, he doesn't say that's policy he didn't say that's company policy. Even he if said, it is I company need you policy, to wear the mask. Yeah. Even, even if, it, if is, it is company policy, it's, it's well, ridiculous. It and it, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you but just let's it. not teach people 
just to follow orders. No, but if you want to keep your job at a restaurant that <laughs> Boy, has the happen? policy. <laughs> right. Right. If you want to keep your job, uh, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's but stupid, there also but... is something to be said on we should probably put this uh, pull this weed out by its uh, roots when something makes no sense whatsoever. No sense. You should probably not do it when you're trampling on people's rights. <laughs> like, and it I, makes no sense. As a person who may or may not go through the Taco Bell drive through 14 times a week, I've noticed they have a policy, mm. at least at the one, the several that I frequent, uh, that they put the bag in a bin to hand to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, which yeah. is like, yeah. Don't you touch the bin. touched the bag to uh, put it right. in the bin. Right. And then you're sliding the bin yeah. out so that I have to ha- grab the bag, the same bag you touched. Mm-hmm. With my hands and pull right. it out of the bin. But Taco you're not Bell touching is... them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. I, I guess. Right. I've never touched they can a drive through you... employee. I don't know. <laughs> they, yeah, who do you think I have? Andrew Cuomo? They I don't, can I'm give not... it to you, but the, you can't give them the COVID. That would be bad. They can give it to right. you. Yes. But you what? can't reciprocate. Yes. But how would I give it to them? In like a normal... They, they, no, they've made it so you can't. No, no I know. Mean, in a normal drive through transaction, how would I give them COVID? Well, I'm, assuming you're wearing... I'm giving them a credit card. Assuming you're wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. You are wearing no, a mask. No, absolutely not. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you should no ask. They can hand you a mask. <laughs> Stu, you know what? You're a bad person. Oh, just a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I just decided yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. That summarizes it pretty yeah. well. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. But I could help if... You know, maybe you don't want to wear a full mask. What about wearing a nosy? Have you seen the nosy yet? Oh, my yet? gosh. These are so ah, stupid. These are so great. Wait, I thought real? you were going to say great. These are so great. <laughs> these are great. Because yeah. look what it does. They're. I mean, it, it's a... It's, it, a... It, it's a little teeny device that fits all over only your nose, and it acts as a HEPA filter mm-hmm. and a carbon filter. Mm. And... It, if you if you're watching on TV, you you can see just how stupid they look on people. <laughs> so just based on that, I'm gonna say I'm a pass on the nosy. But uh, you know what these is... cost? No, ninety dollars. No, ninety bucks for a nosy. It can't be real. Is it real? I, I th- yeah, I think so. It I looks so, so ridiculous. So. Looks so ridiculous. Um, let me tell you. You know what it looks like? <laughs> what? Do you remember the opera? The nose. Oh my gosh! Oh, that yes. I went to. Yes. It looks just like the nose, and the nose was the was the. I don't even know what that damn opera was about. <laughs> I, my daughter was like, "Let's go to this opera. It's getting great reviews." And I'm like, "No, not another opera." She's like, "It's gonna be great fun." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's really not." And uh, we went and. We mocked it the whole time. People were very angry with us, but we mocked it the whole time. It was a giant nose with feet, and it looked like the nosy. My gosh. <laughs> it was a nose with feet? Yeah, and it sang. I don't even know what it was because it was in another language, but it was this nose that would come out, and it would walk <laughs> around the stage and, Lie, I'm a nose. <laughs> and you're like, okay, whatever. And I'm convinced... <laughs> I'm convinced that that opera was just someone saying, watch how stupid these opera people are. Mm -hmm. They'll buy this Mm -hmm. and then they'll all flock to it and pay all kinds of money to watch the no singing. (laughs) And I think that's what the nosy is. I think that is somebody saying, look how stupid everyone has become. They will wear these. And they'll pay $90 a piece for them. 
So I wonder. If yeah. you, I mean, I wonder if it's, you could actually buy them. Are, are they a legitimate product? Go to. I don't yeah, know. we went we, to the we up. went to the website. Did you buy any? No. Oh, no, I think we, we got to buy. We got to buy. We got to buy one. We got to buy them. We got to buy one. Okay, that would be a fun show to do a show with the nosy. And let's then, buy three of them. Okay, one for you. One for uh, I don't want the white one. Whatever else colors they have, I just don't want a white one. I want a black one. I want a black one. Because I identify <laughs> as, as a, having as a, a person nose. with a black nose. If they have a brown one, because my nose is about the entirety of my Native American ancestry. I have more Native American ancestry than uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. So I impressive. could wear a brown nose <laughs> or a red nose. It does seem to be a Kickstarter. So maybe yes. not actually available to purchase, but on you, the way. If you put your money into that Kickstarter, <laughs> uh, those people are probably in Russia. Only 217 backers. Yeah, really? Which is really? not good. Huh. Considering the amount of press it's, it's received, that is yeah. not a good number. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's going to do better now because everybody I thought sees it was how great it is. <laughs> you know what? If you could put glasses and uh, black furry eyebrows above the glasses. <laughs> uh, look. Let me give you let me give you this. This is from the Washington Post. Uh, this is an editorial. <clears throat> Living in Dallas, Texas right now feels like an exercise in survival. Wow. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it? For though? sure. It really does. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. At a Mexican restaurant in Lubbock this week. Governor, hey, I she's living in Dallas. Governor Greg <laughs> Abbott. No, he was. The, okay, the, okay, got it. Governor Greg Abbott proclaimed that he would issue an executive order to open Texas up 100% starting next week, including, as he told a cheering crowd, ending the statewide mask mandate. People and businesses don't need the state telling them how to operate, he said. It was ironic that Abbott made his announcements on Texas Independence Day. Was it? For, was that for, ironic? Was it? I mean, mm. it is. I mean, he's saying that we can be independent and we don't have to have the government telling us everything. So it was actually kind of appropriate, more than ironic. For many of us Texans, that we uh, that uh, what we desperately need is to be free from a GOP leadership that has put our safety last at every turn since this pandemic began. Abbott's decision to lift occupancy li- uh, limits on businesses and other restrictions is reckless and premature. So mm-hmm. I, I went mm-hmm. to um, I went to a restaurant on Friday and I was out with a bunch of friends and my wife just gave me the dirtiest look. She was already there. And I walked all the way through the restaurant um, uh, <laughs> saying with my mask on, I'm masked so I'm safe. 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 And then I pulled the chair out. I'm masked so I'm safe. I sat down. I don't need the mask anymore because there are no germs at this level. <laughs> yeah, co- I, it COVID's drives a me thing. nuts. COVID drives is a height thing. Nuts. That's why uh, no little people have COVID. <clears throat> Kids don't get COVID because it That's all true. floats above you. So yeah. you're, you're under four, down, foot, right. four foot three. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't get COVID. <laughs> right. So, so. Uh, so uh, the Texas GOP, this according mm. to Washington Post, the Texas GOP's necropolitics meaning politics of death, Mm -hmm. have been on full display during Uh, this pandemic year. 
Uh, last March, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said grandparents in, in Texas would be willing to sacrifice their lives uh, for the sake of the state's economy. Uh, yeah, I said that, too. Uh, when Abbott reopened the state in, in May, the move quickly resulted in a spike of cases and he was forced to backtrack. I've never backtracked on any of uh, that. I, I believe that uh, people my age are perfectly willing to go in to work. Not everybody, not everybody, but there's a lot of us who are like, uh-huh, yeah, open it back up. Now Texas has thrust Texans back into the reopen rodeo show. So here we go again. Impressed on his Abbott, impressed on his listeners at the end of the mass mandates does not end personal responsibility. But what of the responsibility of government? What of that? What of the, the the responsibility to not tell us what to do in every aspect of our lives? Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, the responsibility I, of the government really ends uh, on the rights and responsibilities of the citizen. Yeah. When they interfere with the rights of the citizen, the government has no place there. This guy is making the argument that, yes, I do need government to tell me whether or not I should wear a mask. I'm not smart enough to figure that out on my own. Well, no, he is. He is and his friends. But everybody else in Texas are too stupid to do it. Yeah. So you might have a, I don't know, an ego issue. I'm just saying Hmm. That if you think that you're the smart one and you pay attention to science, I would like to point out a couple of real quick, a couple of things about science. Uh, first of all, the, the this is latest from the CDC. Mask mandates and restaurant restrictions have very small impact on coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> Japan, That's their great. supercomputer just has shown that doubling masks offers little to no help just if you're following the science you should read those articles and uh, maybe put the pen down uh on when you're walking or writing to the washington post although i don't know if anybody actually exists at the washington post except people members of the dnc with the with the headlines that they wrote about biden this weekend um I, I Biden may be working at the Washington Post. That's why he doesn't have time for press conferences. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So the old saying is what goes up must come down. Uh, and that is with inflation as well. As you just keep increasing the money supply, uh, the way we have, we've we've printed 26% more dollars in the last year and introduced them into the system in the last 12 months that no in no other year except 1944 did the United States of America do that. Uh, and there were things to invest in in 1944. Uh, uh, we were we were building uh, the nuclear bombs. We were building airplanes. We were building factories, uh, and we needed to spend the money. That's we, we did it, and then we pulled that money all back in. This kind of uh, the amount of money that we now have in the system, we've never had anything close to this out in the system. And when you print money, it's bad unless there's what's called no velocity. 
Velocity just means, is that bill being spent? So somebody gets a loan from the bank. They build a factory. Those uh, those dollars that they got from the bank, they pay to mechanics uh, or a contractor. The contractor pays for the the structure and pays the electricians. The electricians take that and they buy groceries and then they take some of it and they spend it at a movie theater. Velocity is how many times has that dollar bill been spent before it goes back to the bank? We have very low velocity right now, and people are looking for places to put their money. Uh, at least people, I guess, who have just a ton of money, because I don't even understand this new. It sounds to me like a scam, but I wanted to get Jeff Brown on the phone. Hi, Jeff. Good morning, Glenn. Jeff is the uh, founder and chief investment analyst at Brownstone Research and editor of The Bleeding Edge. Uh, he's a, a bigwig in uh, high tech. Tell me what NFTs are. Okay, so uh, NFTs are non-fungible tokens, and probably the simplest place to start is to understand what fungible means, because it's, it's really not a word that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, let's take the U.S. dollar. If you wanted to borrow from me uh, a $100 bill um, and then you wanted to pay me back, you wouldn't have to pay me back with exactly the same $100 bill that I gave you, right? Mm -hmm. um, a $100 bill is equal to a $100 bill. They're completely fungible. They're interchangeable. They're even divisible. And so that's the concept of uh, fungibility. A non-fungible object <clears throat> is uh, something that um, isn't divisible and can't be exchanged for just something else. Uh, a simple example would be uh, your website, glenbeck.com or theblaze.com. Uh, these are actually uh, non-fungible assets. They're not interchangeable with another website at all. So if um, uh, so you own it. So like a stamp would be fungible, but a collector stamp with the upside down airplane, that's non-fungible. As long as there's only one of them. Okay. And that's the, that's the nuance. Okay. So NFTs, non-fungible non tokens, every single token is unique in its own right. There's nothing else like it, nor, nor can there be. And so let me give you the start of this story. And you explain this mm. uh, October 2020, just a few months ago, Miami based art collector Pablo Rodriguez uh, Frail spent almost sixty seven thousand dollars online on a 10 second video artwork that he could have watched for free online. Last week, he sold it for six point six million dollars. That sounds crazy. <laughs> Can you? And it, and it is. It's crazy. Okay, <laughs> but but it's only crazy when um, we kind of uh, um, get uh, sucked into the concept of okay, this was a digital piece of art. But um, if we think about the value of uh, a Picasso, um, those have sold for six point six million dollars, and. Uh, What's happening right now in the non-fungible token space, the, the most popular areas of non-fungible uh, non tokens right now are in collectibles. For example, um, NBA basketball, uh, kind of like trading cards. Mm -hmm. uh, we have artwork, digital artwork, which can be 
uh, static, so just an image or video clips are, are very popular. And uh, if we kind of understand that in 20, 2020 was a breakout year, it's really when uh, the concept of NFTs um, became very well known in, in the technology industry. About two, a quarter of a billion dollars worth of transactions took place last year. But we're going to have a multi-billion dollar year this year. And it's because people see the, the art and collectibles industry um, shifting from physical objects, physical goods, to uh, digital assets, um, and each one being unique and individual and rare. Okay, so wait a minute. I can understand if it's an artwork, because then you would buy the rights to print it and sell it, right? And you can. That's precisely the point. Okay. Uh, Pablo then, bought the rights to that piece of art, right. and he could sell it okay. for $6.6 because $6 it was a one-of-a-kind. So then tell me exactly what... Uh, you you would be buying a clip online of like sports because I understand that people are buying the NBA is into this. Are they are they yes. selling the clips of sports games and uh, could you not just get that online or would would that clip of that game belong to you and if NBC wanted to play it they would have to pay you for it. That's right. So, I mean, the NBA has been incredibly progressive. Uh, again, last year, um, there was only a quarter of a billion dollars worth of revenue. To date, uh, NBA Top Shot has is literally had the highest level of transaction volume, um, more than 300 million. Uh, very uh, unusual that you'd have kind of a legacy industry like NBA being very aggressive in a very progressive space and monetizing their assets. And so they can carve out, you know, we can imagine how many um, hundreds of thousands of hours of video that they have the digital rights to. They can cut these things up and carve them up and create interactive trading cards, each and every one of which is, uh, is a one of a kind and confer the rights contractually onto a blockchain. Uh, it's like transferring of intellectual property or a patent to anyone that buys it, and then they own it. And you're you're exactly right. The owner of the um, of the trading card or the clip um, could license it out uh, on a one-off basis, on a continuous basis, or they can just sell it to uh, to another um, another individual who's willing to pay more for the asset. So, does this sound to you a little like Pets.com? Uh, you know it. It doesn't, and, and I'll tell you why, because it's, it's inevitable, especially as I look at um, uh, kids that are growing up today, um, but really um, kids as young as eight, um, all the way up to people in their 20s and 30s, they just don't value physical assets the same way that they value digital assets. Hmm. And if we think about even uh, video games, most people don't know this, but the, the video game industry is larger than the entire motion picture industry. And one of the biggest wow. revenue sources in video games is virtual goods. So people are buying a, a magical sword or a shield or uh, a costume. My, my son took some <laughs> of his money last summer after he was working, and he was like, I want to buy this sword, Dad. And I'm like, buy a sword? And you don't really have it. No, I use it in the game. And you're going to pay for it? 
And I just could not get my arms around it. But he he thought that was the greatest thing ever. It, it is how they um, feel cool, um, how they play better in a game, how they are seen by their peers who also play in that game. This is more than a $100 billion business, virtual goods. Right now, in 2021, it'll be more than $150 billion by 2025. And so when I look at a business that's that large, and one of the biggest problems with virtual goods in uh, video games is you can't transfer them to other places. They only exist in this kind of single game in this walled garden. But non-fungible tokens enable you to actually acquire these things, have something that none of your friends have. So it's unique, different. It can have different powers and capabilities. And you get to keep it. And you can actually sell it for a profit somewhere down the road. Uh-huh. Uh, I, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere right now is somebody that has a closet full of Beanie Babies that were told exactly the same thing when the Beanie Baby craze was going. It's, it's just like the art and collectibles market. You know, they have years where certain sectors are just on fire. Yeah. And they look like they're a bubble. So how do you know um, what how do you know what to buy? I mean, I guess it's like art. You buy what you like and good luck to you. Well, I think um you know, this is where kind of normal people actually have an advantage. Let's say that uh you know, you're a big NBA fan and you've been following um uh, the NBA for 3 decades. You actually would have kind of this intrinsic inherent feel for the value of certain moments in NBA history uh, and, and what they might be worth and whether or not they're going to increase in value over time. Um, I can tell you that this industry, the, the NFT industry, within a few years will be worth uh, uh, more than $100 billion. This is literally a transference um, from one kind of physical object market into uh, a digital asset uh, market space. And just like I, I think uh, when I look, think about the investing world, you know, every year there are sectors that tend to be um, hotter and more exciting where technological advancement is happening more quickly. Um, and they tend to um, appreciate in value uh, faster than other sectors. So if I wanted so I, to I see this, if, if I wanted to buy, let's say the Lou Gehrig, um, the luckiest man, luckiest man on earth, on earth. Could I buy that now or, and how would you buy it or? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the owners of the current assets um, uh, would, would have to basically package and productize and create uh, a non-fungible token. Um, and by doing so, they actually create a contract of ownership. So embedded within a non-fungible token are, is all the data about what makes it rare and special as well as what we've referred to as a smart contract, which is what enables one company or person to transfer the rights of ownership to another individual. And so once that's offered up to whomever owns those rights, um, you could buy it and hold it for as long as you want it and do with it All right. what well, you want it. One, one last question. Um, I was sued for the lowercase g by Garth Brooks when I first went over to uh, CNN, okay? It's the typewriter, lowercase g, and he sued me. And um, he had sued everyone who would use the lowercase g <clears throat> in a logo. 
uh, claiming ownership of it. Um, you know, he took a uh, copyright, I think, out on it and um, and so owned it and he fought it. And after 10 years, if you fight and win every case and he had the money to do it, you own that letter. But you have to, as in anything, you have to defend it all the time. So if you have a famous clip, don't you have to also have a bunch of attorneys to make sure that people know that's the, that clip has to be removed from YouTube and everywhere else? Don't you have to fight it all the time? Um, yes, I, you know, tr- traditionally that would be true. Um, uh, the difference with uh, with with blockchain uh, technology, I mean, of, of course, if somebody is just simply capturing uh, a clip from, let's just say, a YouTube video or mm-hmm. an old video, that's actually different than the non-fungible token itself. Um, the non-fungible token would not just include the video clip, but uh, typically what we're seeing is there's other things that make it uh, unique, other attributes mm-hmm. uh, to the clip that make it uh, special. And, um, you know, it's official. It's like having a, a licensed and authorized product rather than, you know, a knockup, a knockoff jersey that, um, you know, you just buy off of the vendor off the street. Mm. And so that's where rarity comes. Uh, you, you know, you're definitely right. Um, you could pursue those things. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how you could claim a letter from the alphabet. I know. I copyright. I thought for sure that it was madness, but it wasn't. And he now owns it. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for talking to us. Jeff Brown. Uh, and you can find uh, Jeff and follow Jeff uh, with his uh, website, jeffbrownletter.com or brownstoneresearch.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Clarice Sillinger, uh, she is a mom just like you might be. Uh, She has kids in school or should be in school. And she has uh, started a new pack called Keeping Kids in School. Uh, She was has been just like you really upset about the school closure. She said that she had an idea that the teachers unions were involved and then something happened. And she said, I received the evidence. Clarice is with us now. Hello, Clarice. Hi, Glenn. I I heard you slip in that. Hello, Clarice. Um, (laughs) It's a a real, it's a real pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very Uh, much. Yes. Uh, so I filed this right to know and got an email back from so the teachers union president. Crazy, what, right? What is the uh, right to know? Is that like a Freedom of Information Act kind of thing? That's correct. Yep, right. that's exactly what it is. All right. And you filed that with whom? So I filed that with my specific school district, Tapper Horsham, in the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, but we have hundreds all over the state of Pennsylvania trying to prove this union strong arming. Okay. And you you wrote to them and said, "What? I want to know what." I want all correspondence between the superintendent and all the union officials. So correspondence, I laid it out: emails, text messages. Uh, any conversation memo between which is this union rep is Brian Moore and our superintendent. Every school has a union representative. So I encourage everyone to file these right to know. Okay. That is, I didn't even know you could do that. 
That's yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, you filed it, and what did you get back? What did you find? <laughs> so um, I got about 70 emails back. Uh, and, and what I put in there was I want all emails between March 2020 and March 2021 that include in-person return or COVID. I, I, did, I put some keywords in there, and I received this email back, and it's so, so disturbing The president of the teachers union notes, we are not a child care center. I fear babysitting drove parents to demand an amount of in-person instruction. That is gut-wrenching, not just for parents, but also for teachers. He has totally disregarded the importance and how essential our teachers are. They're not babysitters. They're educators. So wait a minute. So that was in the the memo from a union uh, boss to the teachers. This is an email from Brian Moore, uh, teachers union president for Hamhapara Horsham School District, sent directly to our superintendent, encouraging him to keep the schools closed because he was trying to open them. He says, for the record, and I can't stress this enough, I do not believe it's the correct decision to keep moving ahead with a planned return for high school students. As I pointed mm-hmm. out yesterday, bringing those students back just to return them to remote instruction is plainly illogical. Additionally, hybrid instruction is poor and unsupported by empirical evidence for effective curricular instruction. Perhaps it has some social and emotional benefits, but it's not a better option than remote instruction. We're not a child care center, and I fear babysitting drove parents to demand an amount of in-person instruction. Uh, he says, uh, as we've said along, uh, all along the way, we need to follow the science, and I completely agree. The science is telling us we should not have students in school, and decisions are being made to appease political needs rather than doing what's best for the kids. So he's accusing this superintendent of bowing to political needs. Is That's that- correct. <laughs> yes. Are you ready for the icing on the cake? Sure. Brian Moore, president of Teachers Union, sends his daughter ever since August five days a week in-person instruction to a Catholic school. Uh, How could he do that if he finds it to be really dangerous? I would love to know that question. And I mean, I would love to know that answer. I mean, I would love to speak to him face to face at this point. Uh, You know, our children are really suffering at the greatest extent. I mean, really, truly, I know, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the failing rates. I mean, what about the people that can't afford that option? Like he chose Catholic school. We're already paying so much money in school taxes. And then here he's sending his child. It's just, it's just so heartbreaking. Our kids have not been in school for a year, Glenn. I know. A year. I know. My daughter hasn't been in school for a year. My son, oh, you can so opt, you can opt in or out, and my son has opted in to go into school, but he's still a couple times a week. You know, mm-hmm. he's doing the hybrid hybrid thing, uh, and right. and when he goes to school, it is like some sort of. I don't know, uh, scientific, uh, you know, 
boy in a bubble kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. where everybody is behind plexiglass and you can't leave your desk and you have to eat at your desk for lunch. It's I mean, it doesn't even sound like school. That's and right. It's affecting him and his uh, his depression level. And it's really not good. So what do you what is going to happen in this school district with with Brian Moore? Well, what he says, hybrid's not good, right? He says it's poor and unsupported, unsupported. So I'm pushing for full return. I mean, you're you the one that's he's the one that said it, you know, it's poor and unsupported. So I'm hoping um, that they take this and open our schools five days uh, just as they should, just as many scientists and doctors recommend for the welfare of our children. But I will also note, I do believe, and I hate to get this to even be political, but I believe that people have to show up at the polls and start really knowing their candidate of who they're voting for for school boards and and who's owned by the union and who's not. Oh, yeah. I would would completely agree with you on that. Now, Mm -hmm. seeing that the CDC has come out, Uh, And said mask mandates and restaurant restrictions have small impact on the coronavirus cases. I would assume that would be the same for schools. And the American Pediatrics has come out and said, you've got to put kids back into school. What science Mm -hmm. is he talking about that uh, suggests that the teachers have to stay home? He does refer to the Pennsylvania Department of Health. But that, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I know. I mean, we, we know I mean, who was running that. He's uh, she's now right. she's now that's in the right. Biden administration. <laughs> that's right. Dr. Levin. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, OK, so it's troubling. I mean, I just I, I appreciate the time to bring light to this because our kids and just like your son and daughter need this so much. Every single child needs this. We have children that with keeping kids in school that have contacted us, their parents that are experiencing homelessness and they use school for much more than school. Right. We cannot continue this. This has to end. We have kids that are going to gun violence, drug, drugs. I mean, it it has to end. We're giving our children no outlet. We're giving them no no road or path to succeed. So, Clarice, what about the, uh, you know, the the argument that. As conservatives, I can't believe we're we're demanding these schools open up. There's mm-hmm. a story out today that says in in kindergarten they're going to start talking uh, about uh, sexual identification and even anal sex. Five year olds. I mean, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Why? I mean, isn't there part of you that says I don't want these schools to open back up? Um, it's a great fear. But maybe we should start looking stronger at school choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe we should, because I know that I know many parents that cannot afford the option, you know, of private institution or whatever that is. But maybe maybe the answer is school choice. And I got to tell you, I've always been an advocate for public schools. I, I always have. And I thought that they were cornerstones of our community. But with the email that I shared from you with the union strong arming and then 
you telling me about the curriculum changes, how can we how can we allow our children to to experience this kind that that it's disturbing. It's really we, disturbing. We must look at something else. We so, must. So um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and um, and join your your movement, you, you have yeah. keepingkidsinschool.com. What will you find there? That's right. Uh, keepingkidsinschool.com. We, if you join our movement, we can provide you with all the information on how to uh, re- do the right to know request. We have templates that help people, you know, file them in their own district. Um, In the state of Pennsylvania, you'll see the candidates of who we're endorsing. But we can also help create other PACs. We helped uh, Oregon create a PAC. We helped New York City create a PAC um, to really start getting people out of the polls and knowing the candidates that they're voting for and understanding what platform that candidate stands for instead of just walking into the polls and voting. Well, I, I hope you get lots of calls from uh, Texas and uh, all around the country, uh, because I think what you're doing is really important. If we are not involved at the local level, we lose everything. And right. it's, uh, it's, it's possibly more important for all of us to be involved in our school boards <clears throat> than even the presidential or Senate races. Keeping, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> keepingkidsinschool.com is the uh, address to go. Thanks, Clarice. I appreciate it. Thank you. You Thank bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Na, 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 na.